Dan Campbell on quarterback Jared Goff. Amid some talk that maybe the Lions would be a team that should consider upgrading to Lamar Jackson. Here's what Campbell had to say at the league meetings. Goff, love Goff. Goff's our guy, man. I think he's proven over the last two years that, man, he's made for us. He's had to endure a lot, just like all of us have. I thought he played his best football last year, and I think he's going to come out and play some of his best this year, too. Feel good about it, so I love our quarterback position right now. Right now is the key because Campbell also was asked about possibly drafting a quarterback this year. Here's what he had to say. This year... As with most, you're always looking to upgrade, and the free agency has given us the ability in areas to, man, we can do whatever we need to do in the draft. We feel pretty good about that. We don't feel forced to do anything. you got to take this. You got. And so with that, I would say, man, it doesn't matter what the position is. If we can upgrade our team top to bottom, we will do that. All right, I got some observations from that clip. First of all, can we get a still frame of that? Dan Campbell is guy who showed up at fancy restaurant that requires the men to wear a jacket. Right, and he's like, "Do I got a and jacket?" Didn't have a yeah. jacket, <laughs> right. and and they happen to have they happen to have a fifty eight long in the back that they put on him. That's observation number one. Observation number two: that's Shereen Williams there, yes, old school taking notes. And one of the reasons she's right there next to Dan Campbell is she went to Texas A&M and he went to Texas A&M. That's right. Oh, those damn Aggies. Gosh, giggle Aggies. That's what they are. They're two (laughs) peas in a pod, I'm sure. Uh, Also, what's funny is he's sitting down and he's almost as big as Shireen sitting down, which just tells you (laughs) how big the damn guy is. I mean, he's a big sucker. And and you're right. I thought the same thing. It's like, I feel like it's a coat that he had in his playing days, too. And he's like, well, it still fits kind of. I'll just throw it on here and, you know, make it work. But uh, he said a lot of good things there. Right, Mike? I mean, he did. You know, there's a part of me, of course, that I believe they want to stay with Jared Goff. And Brad Holmes, he made that aggressive move coming over from the Rams, acquiring him. So I think they want to make it work. I do think Detroit's one of those teams, Mike, that we talk about that's like, you know, it's not all about the quarterback. They want to be like, hey, let's build a team here a little bit, right? So that's where I think the Lamar Jackson thing is no way, just because the trading, the money, they can't fill in all the holes they want if they want to do that with Lamar Jackson. And then I think the other thing, you know, Jared Goff, hey, they're, they're, Jared Goff's been tough, gritty. They had the number four offense in football. So they're going, why do we want to change much this year? We're, we kind of got something going here, you know. But am I sitting here saying I'm sold on Jared Goff for the future to hold down this spot as the starting quarterback for the Lions for the next five or six years? No, I'm not. There's still things about his game that I just think I'm not sure it's going to get them over the hump in big moments. I'm sorry. That's just my opinion there. I hope he proves me wrong. But, yeah, I do wonder what they'll do if there's a quarterback they fancy on the board there in the top ten that just happens to be sitting there or with their other pick later in the first round. You know, that's one team I'll be very interested to see what they do. Peter King has advocated for years now the existence of a middle class of starting quarterbacks, guys who aren't making rookie wage scale slotted deals. And look, for three years, you have to if you're a quarterback who was drafted. And then guys not at the very top of the market, $45 million or more. Jared Goff right now on the back end of a contract that averaged $33.5 million, yeah. but was front-loaded. Right. He's got two years left. Payment this year of twenty five point nine million. It's awesome. Payment next year of twenty six point six million, and 
And, you know, he almost was good enough last year that I thought, is he going to want to go ahead and do an extension? Maybe if he has another big year, he's going to say to the Lions, we'd like Might. to, right. you know, sit down and talk about this. Yeah. And maybe the Lions say, ah, we're content to let it play out. We'll see what happens after this year. And, and it all comes down to whether they draft someone this year or next year. But, hey, he's good enough to pay 26-6-2. That's right. He's good enough to pay that mid-level money to. Exactly right. But but he's not the guy that's going to be a top five or a top ten quarterback, and that may not be the guy they want ever, given what they're trying to do in Detroit. No, you're right. They might not. I, you, know, I, I, you know, I think that's they could be a team that's they're, they're going to run the ball. They're going to be balanced on offense. They're never just going to make it about the quarterback that way. They're trying to get their defense situated the right way here. You know, that's that's the cool thing about the Lions. You know, Dan Campbell said it the right way. They did some good things in free agency. We know they had some strengths of their team already. Now they got two picks in the top 20. You know, they got a chance here to really change their team around and be a player. Now, whether there's a quarterback involved in that, yeah, I don't know. You know, if they're sitting there at 18 and one of Will Levis or Hendon Hooker are sitting there, will they do it? You know, that that'll be interesting to me. I think it's going to be according to where they got those guys ranked in their draft order and all that, but uh, I will be interested to see if they make that kind of move. They should be content with Goff, you know, to agree to a degree right now. He's done some good things, like we said, but yes, you know, I think you said it right. He's middle class, twenty-five million a year. Bam, that's great. You know, you know, the, the difference making contract that's like puts him in the upper stratosphere no then then people are going to be like what the hell are you doing there in Detroit um so uh I'm going to be very fascinated to see what they do in this first round the Lions something that occurred to me while you're explaining your point yeah there are I would say right now in the NFL and and I'll give you a chance to add to this list I would submit to you there are six true franchise quarterbacks of the 32 teams there are six Patrick Mahomes Duh. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, and Trevor Lawrence. Not necessarily in that order, but those are the six. And then there's everybody else. Is there anyone you'd want to add to that to make it seven or even eight? Well, no, I think you said them all right. Well, I mean, Lamar to me is a franchise quarterback. Did you didn't say Lamar, did you? You know, franchise quarterback without a franchise. Yeah, I know. I'm talking about a guy, yeah, a guy who by his mere presence, Puts you in contention every year. Rodgers. I think Trevor Lawrence put has invaded that group. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's put Rodgers in that group. Yeah. But let's, let's go ahead and put in Rodgers and Lamar. That's eight. That's 25% of the league. Right. Good round number. Well, not a round number, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 25%, one-fourth of the league. Three-fourths of the league, no franchise quarterback. My point is this. If you don't have a franchise quarterback, you can either – desperately try to go find one and continue to swing and miss and set your team back year after year after year. Or you can say, we don't have one. We won't have one. Let's build Let's a team go. that can win right. without one. Right. Let's and focus then maybe we can sell to elsewhere. our fans that this guy is the franchise quarterback through building the team and doing it the right way. We win. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. But I, just don't just don't hit just don't hit the franchise quarterbacks too hard or you give up fifteen yards of field position. See, that's the <laughs> that's where the logic falls apart. We're gonna build this team with a tough, strong defense. It's gonna get after the quarterback and just grab him. Yeah, exactly. Just, that's just, my complaint just, there. Just grab exactly, him. exactly. Yeah. I know, I know. So all right. But yeah, I think you're 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 right about that. You know, Russell Wilson probably would have been in that conversation before last year. We probably would have thrown him in there. Now we got a different view of him. Um 
Who else will be missing there? That Matthew may- Stafford was. Matthew Stafford Matthew Stafford is a guy who has toggled back and forth between franchise and not franchise. Franchise and not franchise. And right now, sorry, Matthew, not franchise. And that's the next point that we have on our rundown for today. Sean McVay said at the league meetings that Stafford will have no limitations in the offseason program. Good. He only played nine games last year due to concussions and a spinal cord contusion. He had that elbow issue coming out of 2021 that kept him from doing anything in the offseason program. And then they got into training camp and yeah. – and, you know, he was practicing once every few days and it was this big issue and it's a baseball injury. And then all of a sudden it was fine, which was so weird. It was so freaking weird how all of a sudden it was just fine. And then obviously it wasn't fine for the Rams and it's not fine for the Rams. They're stuck with Matthew Stafford. And yes, they were hoping that somebody I'm, I'm, oh, I'm telling you, there was an element in that organization that was hoping that someone was going to make them an offer that they would love to accept to move on from Matthew Stafford. But no one was touching him. Not at this point. He's an old 34, maybe 35 now. A lot of injuries, big money contract. They're stuck with him for the next couple of years, and they're going to pay him a lot of money as they try to remodel, as Les Snead said, the team around him. This, I, I'm, I'm Kevin Demoff, the COO of the team, CEO, whatever he is, whatever see something O of the team sent out a letter to fans saying we knew this was coming, yeah. yada, 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 we want to compete. Look, it's going to be – I will be stunned, and I know anything can happen in any given year. I will be stunned if the Rams are contenders like they'd been at any point over the next few years. And having that huge contract for Matthew Stafford is part of the reason they're going to be dragged down. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there. I mean, they're, they're in a weird spot. We know that. You know, they're, they're going to do their best with it. Uh, it's great to hear that Matthew Stafford is going to have no limitations. Yeah, I mean – they're going to need all of him, like you're talking about. You know, you could say what you want, but him not being able to practice and everything like that it certainly didn't put them in the best position to succeed early on in the year. You know, but I, where I, I feel, you know, one, you know, kind of what you said, Stafford, I hear he ping-pongs there in that area. I think he's still a top 10-ish. He's a top 10 quarterback. He played really good last year. It's just they stunk. And they can't protect him at all. But, I mean, what he's making right now is not crazy, you know, for, for what he's capable to do. Now, there's, you know, like you said, he's getting up there, he's beat up. And what they got to do is protect him a little bit. I mean, the poor guy is cursed. I, I don't know what to say. He goes to Detroit, gets drafted there, gets the shit beat out of him for eight or nine years. They finally start to get the O-line situated there in Detroit. And he gets traded to the Rams where... They don't have a good old line, and he gets the shit beat out of them again. You know, so that's where it's All a right. little bit of – All right. Yeah. That, that, will be, that will be fine. That was good. Two of them I'll let, good. I'll let the first one go. All right. <laughs> I'll let the first one go. It, it's funny. It's funny because I shared the clip on our text chain for the show yesterday from Morning Joe because Joe Scarborough, God love him, he lets one fly every once in a while. And when he does – his co-host and wife, Mika Brzezinski, acts surprised. <laughs> like, why are you surprised? Because he does it on a fairly regular basis. So I didn't even flinch at your first one. But after two, let's just not let's not go. Okay. Let's not go two. Well, anymore. I just felt like when I was hammering I the, like home, this gig. the point there, I just you made wanted to point. hammer it home one more time. Okay, I, thank you. I think I get the, the point. point. Um, this leads to another point, and it, it spills over into our next – topic here as Pete Carroll said safety Jamal Adams is pushing to be ready to go week one hey he'll be ready to go he'll be 100% week one but then what happens he starts playing and he plays with with such reckless abandon 
that goes beyond the limits of what any normal body or any supercharged pro athlete body can endure, he gets hurt again. It's just like it's like Matthew Stafford, but different. And this is one of the things that that I respect as it relates to professional football players. All the time that's spent, all the effort that's spent, all the money that's spent getting these guys to a hundred percent. So what? So they can go out and know that it's just a matter of time before they're not a hundred percent again and they're injured again and they can't play again. And with Stafford and Adams, that's the common link, two different positions, two different sides of the ball, but, but they, they know, and we know, and everybody knows they're going to get injured. So this, this whole idea Stafford's going to be a hundred percent at the start of the season, guess what? The over-under on him not being 100% is week four. Same thing for Jamal Adams. Maybe it's week three for Jamal Adams. And then we just get back into the same, the same cycle that we, that we see. That's part of the problem with having Matthew Stafford on your team. That's part of the problem with having Jamal Adams on your team. They give up two first-round picks to get him. He plays with a level of fearlessness that is inadvisable because he gets injured all the time. It's not him. He's, he's got a level of bravery and valor that exceeds anything that we see in professional sports because he's constantly throwing his body into the fray and his body is not, and nobody yeah. is suited yeah. to, to deal with that kind of punishment that he willingly not just absorbs but dishes out. Right, yeah, no, you're right, nobody. Because if his body can't endure it, then nobody can. Because if you saw Jamal Adams, you'd go, damn, if I try to stick a knife in his chest, I think the knife is going to bend. Like, it's, he's rocked up. He is jacked. Oh, yeah, took a turn. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was trying to explain that how— would be, that- <laughs> Uh, that would be a penalty. That <laughs> would be a penalty. Would happen. But I was trying to explain yes. how dense he is because he is he's a freak of nature to what you're saying. And your your point's real. You know, I, I do think that's where coaches and organizations got to sometimes not fall in love with a, a player. Jamal Adams is awesome. And when he's at his best, like, you know, you, and you're you're describing it, he's he's definitely one of the best safeties in football, if not the best. But he plays with such violence and aggression and kamikaze style of football that, yeah, those guys, you have to worry about their long-term viability and ability to stay healthy and be good. You know, look at, you know, again, look at the safety that they had there right before them, right? They had Cam Chancellor. Look at him. It wasn't too dissimilar of a guy, maybe not the freaky athlete, but still the kamikaze, fearless hitter type of guy. Well, hurt his neck, right? Career was never the same, never really played again. You know, so that that is uh, an unfortunate thing about these type of guys that are awesome to watch, fun to play, I mean, fun to play with. Uh, but, yeah, there's a shelf life where they hit themselves out, and I hope that's not the case. And he, he probably does need to dial it back to adjust himself just a little bit. You know, there's a difference in going kamikaze crazy and just, hey, he's a good aggressive tackler. You know, and he's got to find that line if he wants to, you know, play a few more years and, and collect some more money. You may have noticed a trend during this past segment, the Lions, the Rams, the Seahawks, NFC teams that produced some leftovers from the league meetings we got to. We're going to give equal time to the AFC with some leftovers from the league meetings coming out of the news and the other quotes and the other things that we think you need to know about. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this.
AFC leftovers from the league meetings. And it's funny, when I noticed the word leftovers, it reminded me of something. I had a neighbor years ago whose kids referred to leftovers and refused to eat leftovers. They refused to them derisively as used food, which when you think of leftovers as used food, you never, ever want to eat leftovers again. And there was a time years ago on PFT where I would do like a weekly column that I called used food, which was the just whatever, whatever happened to be hanging around that I felt like talking about that I didn't get to back in the days when I didn't have a staff. So I didn't have time to get to all the things I wanted to get to. I would do a used food column. So this is AFC used food coming from the league meetings. Do you like the term used? Food? Oh, I, I thought I you were. I thought you were kicking it to something. No. Yeah, I mean, not. No, no, I like leftovers. Okay, I do. Like, man, you're not going to eat used turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes the day after Thanksgiving. Damn, I, I got to talk to these people. It's not used either. Nobody touched it. You know, well, I mean, there's a difference between it's how did it get how did it get in a container? Well, it's been cooked and you could have used a fork and something or maybe even gloves or whatever. So that's I I think that's being a little too broad with used. I'm going to fight back against that a little bit. And 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 I'm talking to somebody who periodically has the munchies. I have a feeling you don't have much of a discriminating palate when it's time to just rip through the refrigerator and eat. Well, I am a very picky eater. I'm a picky, picky eater. I am. I will say. Marijuana definitely expanded my palate for sure. Uh, that's where my wife would get me every night. She'd be like, "Try this," and you know, I might have been like, you know, a little goofy on a on a Friday night. On a Wednesday night, I'd be like, "No way!" But I'd be like, "Oh damn, I'm hungry," and you know, a little feeling goofy right now. Sure, let me try it. Damn, that's good. Holy crap! Right, and so the munchies did did expand me in that in that area. So wait, is that how it happened? She dropped a hamburger on the floor at LaGuardia and said, try this? <laughs> try this. Try this. It's still good. No problem. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, first item, Rand Carthon, the new general manager of the Tennessee Titans, responding to the report. Remember, not long before the start of the new league year, Mike Silver reported that the Titans were shopping Derrick Henry. Here's Carthon responding to that item of NFL news. There's nothing new to report. Um, it was an erroneous report that came out. You know, I've spoken to uh, Todd, you know, Derek's representative, and, you know, we're in a good place. So there's nothing, nothing new to report from there. Um, I know Derek trains like crazy um, in the location where he trains. I know the location. I don't want to put it out there. Mm-hmm. You know? But uh, Derek is going to be Derek. You know, he's going to spend, take his time away and do what he has to do to make sure that he's ready to go. So I feel we're in a good place. Okay, I got a couple of things to say. First of all, if that's an erroneous report, you need to push back against it, Titans, when it comes out. You can't just passively ignore it because it takes on a life of its own. Of course, right. You know, what's the old saying? The, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth even puts right. one leg in its like pants. Like what the Bengals did with T. Higgins, is, right? Like, remember it that? It becomes a given. Yeah. Right. right. You got to push back on right. it. It becomes a given. It becomes accepted. If there's never pushback against something like that, we just assume it was true. Because if it is true, they're not going to push back. So you better push back if it isn't true. Yeah, I, I don't buy that it's not. I don't. I don't know if I buy that all the way. You know, I I, I feel like th- that is more packaging and, and convenience of like, hey, it was out there. We let it fester. 
We took a call or two. Nothing even got close. Hey, no, we were never going to trade. We, we didn't get close to trading, but we were never going to trade him. That, that's just erroneous. That, that's kind of what it feels like. Like they dipped, you know, a little bit of a feeler out there. Nothing happened, and now they're going to pull back and go, wait, that didn't. We love Derrick Henry. There's no way we're going to trade him. I don't know. I, that's how it's, it's yeah, certain. I think you're right. Yeah. It's, I think you're right. right. We, we, we made a few calls. Nobody was interested, so love the one you're with. Like, yeah. what are we going to do? We're not right. going to cut him. Uh, but but at the core, this all and, and you know what? Maybe it was, maybe it was as simple as Derrick Henry last year of his contract yep. wants more money. Let's see. And right. and hey hey, you know what? Let's see if there's somebody out there that's going to give you what you want. And yeah. if so, so be it. We'll trade you them. We'll make the calls. You don't. Do it. We'll make the calls. We'll see if there's somebody out there that's interested, and then you can negotiate with them if there is on on a, a new contract. And if and if it doesn't work. Then Derrick Henry decides, all right, I got one more year under contract with the Titans and we'll figure out my future after 2023. But I just, it's, it would be a shame from a PR standpoint if the Titans believed that was a false report and they didn't immediately react to it. And that would be the message to any team out there. If it's untrue, you got to say something right away because we're going to assume it's accurate if there's no rebuttal. I, that's human nature. Yeah. And even if there is rebuttal, we're going to say, oh, yeah, sure, you have, you have no intent to trade Derrick Henry, but still, you got to say something, or we're all going to assume it's accurate. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Hey, the it's obvious what's going, you know, what would go on there, or why they would maybe want to see if there's a trade partner. I, I don't, you know, think it's that bad. I think sometimes teams are so worried about, you know, managing feelings of players. Like, okay. You know, I, I, again, where we understand it's exactly what the Raiders did kind of with Darren Waller, right? Like, hey, we're, we, 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 we're at an age. There's, you know, been a few injuries. Let's see if we can get rid of them now and get something for them instead of maybe never getting anything for them. So they tried that. And, uh, you know, at least I would think they did. It, it would make total sense. And I would think Derrick Henry would understand that as well and would also understand that, okay, wait, if they if they do trade me to, you know, Team X, Team X probably knows I'm going to want a new contract and they're going to be okay with that. So it's just part of the business. Um, and sometimes I feel like uh, some of these teams kind of are so worried about everything else that it's, they they put themselves in more problems than they need to. One of the big stories a year ago was the Browns' successful trade for quarterback Deshaun Watson. Then we waited for the suspension. He missed 11 games. He played six. He's back now completely unrestricted, unfettered by anything the league could do as a result of the things that resulted in the suspension. Here's Kevin Stefanski, coach of the Browns, talking about his expectations for Watson in year two, which is, as a practical matter, year one for Watson, full and complete year one in Cleveland. Here's what Stefanski said. I would say he's going to be way more comfortable. Just, it's a new offense. It's, it's a new verbiage, those type of things. Year two now for him, he'll be more comfortable. I think the big piece is, is getting comfortable with your teammates. Uh, there's, there's no substitute for reps. There's no substitute for practice reps or game reps. Um, so I think all those are valuable. I think just him having the guys down to Houston to throw, I think is great, and that's something he's always done in his career and, and, and wants to make that a priority to have the guys down there and around him. So I, I think all of that adds up, uh, but, but I know he uh, and any player going into year two will be much more comfortable. Yeah, look, absolutely, and they've already burned one of the five years of his contract. 
and now we're into year two, and there are expectations internally and externally. Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the team, talked about it this week. He said Kevin Stefanski's not on the hot seat, but they expect to make the playoffs this year. And that's a big expectation for a team that that has only made it once. Like, they had that one year, 2020, and they beat the Steelers with all those flukes that happened early in the wild card game, and then they gave the Chiefs a run for their money, and then the past two years have been underachieving for the Browns. This is where the bar is set high. And if it doesn't work this year with this revised offense, with a shift toward the passing game in Cleveland, there could be some changes. Somebody could be accountable because they're never going to blame it on Deshaun Watson. They've made this decision to go for Deshaun Watson and build the team around him. And if the other people in place to build that team around him aren't getting it done, they're the ones who are going to pay for it. Yeah, I I mean, unfortunately, that is the way it is in the NFL. And hopefully they get a little time there. You know, again, this is a situation like with Kevin Stefanski that I think was thrusted on him. So you you got to have a little bit of a, you know, a, a be mindfulness of that, at least to a degree. But I do, you know, I'm with you or echo his sentiments. I mean, yeah, Deshaun Watson, I expect him to be he he could be another guy where you said eight guys, right? He could be that guy that we, we jump in and go, no, hey, Deshaun Watson's a franchise quarterback. He was before all this stuff went down. Right. He definitely was in that top five combo. So let's see where he, you know, he can get back to. I expect them to be kind of dancing around that again. I do. I'm a believer in Deshaun Watson, the football player, for sure. And now, hey, some of that other stuff's in the rearview mirror. Right. And they do have a lot of things about their team they like. They've certainly improved the wide receiver room a little. We know the O-line's good. The running backs may be the best in football. The defensive coordinator, they got a new one there in Jim Schwartz. I think that's a big part of this thing, too. You know, how good is their defense and what does that look like? But, you know, I think your point, yeah, is real. Playoffs are a high bar, especially in that division and in that conference right now. I mean, damn, like we've talked about, the AFC is loaded with teams and players and quarterbacks, I mean. So that is a high bar. And I hope it's not just playoffs because if these 11, if they're 10 and 7 or 11 and 6 and don't make the playoffs, I hope it's not a type of thing where they get rid of uh, Kevin Stefanski because of that. But the pressure is high. This is where the payoff comes for everything they did. And if you're Jimmy Haslam, I went through all this crap. I had my partners give me the cold shoulder. I am the guy that they're all pointing to saying, don't do what that guy did. We better get some good performance out of Deshaun Watson to make up for all the stuff I've had to deal with to get to the point where we hope this guy is the right guy who's going to turn things around for the Cleveland Browns. Earlier this week, Bill Belichick, coach of the Patriots, was asked basically why should fans think things will turn around this year for the Patriots? And his response was the last 25 years. That prompted some criticism from Teddy Bruschi, one of the core members of the original Patriots dynasty that won three Super Bowls in four years. Here's what he said. He had a little slip right there. Bruschi said of Belichick. I don't know how many times I've been in meetings with coach Belichick. And the very first meeting is I don't care about anything in the past. We win Super Bowls. Last year doesn't matter. Pro Bowl doesn't matter. All pros don't matter. Everything you've done last year does not matter. It's about who we are going forward. Belichick apparently heard what Teddy Bruschi had to say because Belichick clarified his comments saying, we're not resting on our laurels. That's not the message to the team or the fans. We've never operated that way and aren't now. I think we've been pretty competitive every year that I've been here with the Patriots. That's our overall plan. So I expect it to continue that way. I think the team has been managed pretty well over the last 20, however many years. So I think we'll continue managing it 
that way the way we've been competitive every year. So that's right. You never see Bill Belichick. This is why he never says anything. Because when you say something, sometimes you say something you have to go back and clarify. This is exactly why he never says a damn thing. He lets that, well, look at the past 25 years out of his mouth. And then he's got cleanup on aisle five because it's completely inconsistent with everything he beats into his players verbally about forget about the past. It's about the present and it's about the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the message he would send to his players. That's that school of coaching Parcells, Belichick. They don't want to hear that crap. You did what last year? Oh, I don't give a damn. It's not last year anymore. Let's go. So there is a slippage there. You know, I also, you know, Bill was kind of, I think, Feeling the pressure. I think he is feeling the pressure for the first time in a long time. Yes. So, you know, his own ego or whatever else wanted to fight back a little bit. And then also within that, you know, too, it's also like, you know, I, I think he was also going like, well, like, hey, we've got 24 years here of us showing you that we know how to run things. So why do you think we don't know how to run them now? I understand where he's coming from. But, yeah, it's un, it's not like him to come out with that type of comment. And I think there is a little glean into, yeah, he's feeling the pressure. He's feeling the New England media and every there up in Boston is questioning him all the time and all that. And he's feeling it. His owner put him on the hot seat. Yeah, His owner kinda. has put him on the hot seat. Kind of. That's one of the most underreported, underscrutinized moments of the week. Robert Kraft is asked. He's reminded first, your team's had losing seasons two of the last three years. Can Bill Belichick survive? another one, or will he be here to chase down Don Shula's all-time wins record? And Kraft went straight into the, well, uh, I'd like him to catch Don Shula, but we don't care about player statistics. We don't care about anything other than winning, and I want to win, and I want to get back to the playoffs, or words to that effect. When you look at the question and listen to it, the video's available. I think they put the video on the Patriots website. You listen to the question, you listen to the answer. Bill Belichick is on the hot seat this year from the standpoint of playoffs or no playoffs. And I'm not saying he's going to get fired, but it feels like this isn't sustainable. And I think he's feeling that stress and the comment about the last 25 years is a manifestation of his recognition that his boss isn't happy with the way things have been. And I think he'd like to say to his boss, gee, what about the last 25 years? That doesn't count for anything. And you know what? After four years of mediocrity, you get to the point where it doesn't count anymore. That's the reality. Yeah, We've never I- seen this before. We've never seen this, so we don't have anything to compare it to, where a team was that great for that long and then slipped into average. How long can the coach who well, delivered six Super right. Bowl wins survive average? Right. It's hard. Well, this is why you see most coaches leave way before this because they go, wait, now the team's going to kind of – it's going to be a few years of – turning it over and changing it. So I'm leaving town, uh, Sean Payton, New Orleans Saints. I mean, this goes on all the time, you know, but he's sticking it out and he's going through a rough patch. And again, what I said yesterday too, it's a rough patch, but like, you know, come on, there's a little more context to that than, than just though. And yeah, you know, two of the last three losing years, you know, we, we went into it a little yesterday. They've still been highly competitive, you know, they had the Cam Newton COVID thing. That was an issue. They went to the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. They were very close last year. You know, the team, yeah, they, they, they're they in a process of they dominated things and had an awesome quarterback and made things work for a long time. And 
They're kind of trying to refurbish it. But I don't know if that's going to happen now. You know, is Belichick past his prime a little bit? I mean, yeah, the normal fan, guys like you and me, we go, yeah, of course he is. He's got to be. He can't be as good as he was 10 years ago right now. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he proves us wrong. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just it's I don't coming. Think that's it. I think it's I think it's, it's he coming to Tom an end. Brady. I think I think it's as simple as he doesn't have Tom Brady. And remember, four that's years just ago, so not fair. Left. That's just not fair to say. It's 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 that's well, that's well, not well, fair. The, the team is not the same. Well, it's different. It's not about all about that. When you know, I, I don't think that's fair to say. If he left town and went to well, go pick his favorite team, he wanted to go coach. He would have gone, and that team would have been damn good. And you better watch out. I don't. You know, that, that, I don't. I don't like saying that. They're both awesome. We Question. know that. Question. Yeah, yeah. Right, but one won a Super Bowl immediately after leaving, and the other one hasn't won a playoff game in four years. Okay, I now, know. See, that's just. But, you know, one got to pick an all-star team and go there, and the I, other I know, one got stuck, okay. and the other guy ditched him. Right, so I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I think they kind of wanted him to go. I think that's part of the story that that isn't yeah, told sure. that they were ready for sure. him to go, and he reacted to that. Let's say Belichick will get fired after twenty twenty three. Right. Let's just say right. hypothetically, what happens if he gets fired? Is, is there a land rush for Bill Belichick? We say all the time when, you know, that pocket of Steelers fans that is always looking to fire Mike Tomlin anytime they lose a game. Oh, I got to get rid of Tomlin. Get rid of Tomlin. Get rid of Tomlin, right? And if Tomlin would get fired, somebody would snatch him up immediately. If Belichick got fired, would there be an effort to line up out the door to get Bill Belichick? I really don't think there would be in large part. Is, and I think we talked about this yesterday. I don't know. The days are blurring together. I think there are going to be people out there saying, I really don't want to deal with that guy. Well, yeah. I don't want to deal with him. He's a pain Ag- in the ass. Agreed. I'm not giving him the keys to come in and take over and fire this person and fire that person and grumble around the hallway. Agreed. We don't want that. We agreed. had a good workplace here. Yeah. No, agreed. I mean, you know, there's not going to be – I mean, he's 70 years old, so that's the first thing. There's not going to be a land rush. Second of all, what GM out there is going to go, yeah, I want to bring Bill Belichick in so he can come in and fire me, and now he's the GM too. So <laughs> let's just get there. That, that, of course not. So there's, there's a lot to that conversation. But, again, really, I mean, I don't think it's fair to say the, the Brady thing. That, that's not fair. Uh, you know, I mean, he won three Super Bowls with Brady not being all that special and, like, taking over, not being considered, like, oh, my gosh, some Patrick Mahomes talent. He was doing it like we talked about earlier in the show. Team, defense, manage the clock. Unbelievable. You've never seen this defensive game plan before, right? So that's, that's where it's not fair to say. I can also sit here and tell you that they went to 10 Super Bowls, and in five of those AFC championship games, Brady was outplayed by the other quarterback, and they still got to go to the Super Bowl. That wasn't because of Brady. That was because Bill Belichick figured out how to win the game when Brady threw three interceptions against the Chargers in the AFC Championship game. Brady threw two interceptions against you know the the uh, the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, there's a lot of instances like that too. So I don't mean to be mean to you, but that's a talking point out there, I'm, and I just I'm trying I, to. I don't think it's fair. Uh, well, I I think there's more to it than, than Brady we have waited Belichick out. He waited all of this out. He was never going to let Belichick have a quarterback in his prime while Belichick was in his prime. He knew what was going to happen there. He was, he was scared. That's why he was going to play as long as he could. He did not want Tom Brady to do what like George Seifert did with Steve Young. It takes the luster away. So that, that was not going to happen. 
I mean, he got hurt, and they were the best team in football without him that, that year once they got situated with Matt Castle. I told you. I was on the Tennessee Titans team. They didn't make the playoffs. I know. They, but they, at the end of the year, they were, the, they were playing awesome. They were amazing. They didn't make it. Yeah, they got off to a little rough start because Castle was getting going. But I'm just telling you, I was on a Titans team that was going, oh, man, the Patriots, let's hope they don't make the playoffs because uh, our people were going, That's, we think it's the only team in the AFC that can beat us. So – that's right. They had a winning – they were 15-5 and five without Tom Brady when he was injured with other quarterbacks. So that's all I'm going to push back. Now you're getting going to get the Brady Mafia after me, right? You're, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, I have, like have your fun. Beach Enjoy. Brady football game. This guy didn't. Get on him. <laughs> Enjoy your three-day weekend <laughs> Yeah, getting roasted <laughs> right. by Patriots fans, Buccaneers fans, and any fans out there. He's the man. I'm not trying right. to say that. I just don't want to – like, you know, again, you know – you know, hey, Bill Walsh didn't win the Super Bowl without Montana. I mean, we can go down the lines of a lot of things like this. It's just not fair to say that all the time. Well, but Bill Walsh had Montana for basically his entire time. I know, I know. I'm just saying there's there a lot of great coaches. There was never a post-Montana yeah. period for Chuck Bill Walsh. Chuck Knox. I, I mean, Chuck Knoll. Why didn't he win a Super Bowl after, you know, Bradshaw? What's wrong with him? Why, why couldn't he do it? Damn, he must have not been that good. I, so uh, I don't. But I don't. Bradshaw didn't go somewhere else and win a Super Bowl right away. I, I, Bradshaw I didn't get go it. to Tampa it's and win a Super special, Bowl right special. away. Especially and even to that point, he pissed down his leg in the, the third and fourth quarter and got to go to the Super Bowl. So there you go. Let's take a break. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the draft, by the way, is four weeks from today, and Chris is going to give us his top receivers in the selection process. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. What about uh, DB you're ready to face off with? Uh, DBs, um, you know, you want to go against the best, you know, so you want to go against the Jalen Ramsey's, um, you want to go against the Jair uh, Alexander's, Alexander, yeah. um, you know, Darius uh, Slay, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys you want to go against, man, and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of elite ones there, but, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to get right, I know they're going to get me right, and I just can't wait to go against the, the elite. Yeah, you're there, man. You are there. You're going to be paid. You're not even going to want to care about me next year. You're going to be like, I'm rich. I don't care nah, a damn nah, about you, know, you I'm definitely gonna come back. I'm out of here. I'll definitely come back, man. Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee receiver, the guy who actually played at the place Chris originally committed to before he yeah. he bolted Tennessee for Texas. Jalen Hyatt, there he comes. Boy, you, you have that great interview with him at the Super Bowl, and he can't land any higher than five on your receiver uh, they, rankings. Shut up, he's not Dr. coming back Doom. next year after he sees that. Uh, what's wrong with being <laughs> one of the five best in the world and what you do right now as far as an amateur about to be a pro? It, it, I, it's, it's He's still... Really damn good, he is. And, and if you want to start with him, hey, let's just start with him right off the bat. Jalen Hyatt, he's like your Will Fuller, maybe Deshaun Jackson-ish type of guy, Mike. Straight liner, flies, right? Not the greatest route runner. Not going to be the kind of guy that makes people miss and breaks their ankles with the ball in his hands. But, man, if there's something straight away, watch out because it's go-go gadget legs and he runs by everybody. So he's all speed predicated on that premises right there, Mike. Let's flip it around to the top. Zay Flowers, Boston College, 5'9", 182. Yeah. Uh, no, no Boston College receiver has ever been drafted in the top <laughs> right? three rounds. Right. <laughs> You've got him as your number one receiver. What caused him to land there? Well, th- everything about his game is pretty damn good. I mean, one, route running is off the charts good. You know, you talk about explosiveness, quickness, ability to accelerate. It's all what you see from the top receivers in football, Mike. 
the ability to make people miss as a ball carrier. He's a weapon, right? You know, when I was sitting there watching him, I just said, well, th- this is Jalen Waddell. You know, he's just not in Alabama. He's at Boston College, so there's nobody else to worry about on the team other than him. But that's what I look at here. He's got some Antonio Brown style of how he runs routes there, Mike. You know, so he's 5'9", 182, but has way better strength than his size would indicate. And look at, you can see how sudden he is here. And just in this little clips, how he can break down. He takes off. He's got great releases, as you can even see there. He's very creative, and he accelerates. It's 0 to 60 in two steps. So I'm a huge fan of this guy. You know, he's not only a guy that can be outside, right, Mike? He can be a slot guy, and he's got that weapon-ish you know, thing we talk about where Jalen Waddell, I wrote a, a more polished Kadarius Tony when he was coming out. You know, I'm a big fan of this guy. I think he's going to be awesome in the NFL. Take me through the highlights of the rest of your top five. Sure. Well, the, the next guy, Jackson Smith and Jigba, right, from Ohio State, didn't really play much last year, had a full year of like a hamstring injury, right? Kind of concerning as far as, you know, a wide receiver goes. He's different here. He's not like your speed, like going to just absolutely run a post route for a 70-yard bomb, right, Mike? He's really kind of got 4-5-ish speed. He ran 4-5 at his pro day, so he would have ran slower at the combine. But here's where he's special, Mike. He's one of the best route runners I've ever seen as far as coming out of college. And he's got incredible strength, great job of releasing off the line of scrimmage, and His ability to cut, whether it's running routes or with the ball in his hands, Mike, I mean, the first guy never tackles him. Whether it's an arm tackle, he can break it because of strength, but his unbelievable shiftiness. And then has an ability, Mike, too, of like, for whatever reason, when the ball's in his hand, he has a gear that he hits that he doesn't hit when he's running routes. So he's special. You know, to me, is like a better version of a Jarvis Landry coming out as somebody that I talked about. You know, going to be a slot receiver, I think, more more less than not, or, you know, going to play him in that area. Um, uh, but there's a role for this kind of guy in the NFL. You know, Keenan Allen, maybe not as tall, but shiftier and can do more after the catch. Jarvis Landry, it's that type of guy, Mike. And, of course, we know they're really good in the NFL. And this is the counterbalance to the idea that receivers out there in the NFL want 25, 27, 30 million a year. You've got these great guys coming in ready yeah. to go. It's the dynamic that we've heard people tell us time and time again, the seven on seven camps to get quarterbacks ready. Somebody's catching those passes. These receivers are becoming polished, mature, and ready to go in the NFL and make an impact right away. Quentin Johnson, you have at number three. Tell me your your best stuff on him. Yeah, big, right? You just he's he's T. Higgins. Let's line him up over here. He's gonna run go routes. We'll throw back shoulders, jump balls, slant routes, and then he's got probably you know I'm I'm a big fan of T. Higgins, but this guy's probably got a little more something as far as big playability as far as where T. Higgins was in college and where this guy is right now. You know, you saw the the college football Final Four. This is a guy that can catch a five-yard shallow cross and turn it up the sideline against a team like Michigan that's got 4-3 and 4-4 all over the field to go see a house call, right? So route running needs a little work, but it's not that it's not bad. He's a big guy, but he's a presence. You're going to line him over here and go, whoa, it's one-on-one? We're throwing to him. Oh, now you got to double him? Okay, now we can work it over here. But that's kind of the guy we're talking about there, Mike, uh, as far as Quentin Johnson's concerned. If you're looking for a big receiver, that's the marquee big receiver of the draft. 
Michael Wilson from Stanford comes in at number four. We talked about Jalen Hyatt at five. Yeah. Um, g- give me something. I, I, I want to give Wilson a sure, little love here sure. in lieu of going to break. Give me, give me your best item and your best reason why Wilson's in the top five. Maybe the like one of the best. So you just talk about all around, no weakness to him. He can beat you on the go route, and he can almost run routes like Sma- Jackson Smith and Jigma, right? So he's got a guy that can kind of do both. But what's interesting, look at his legs, too. He's got a great body. He's strong. I mean, he can really run routes and do things after the catch. The crazy thing with these guys we're talking about, Mike, number four, Michael Wilson, number two, Jackson Smith and Jigba, there's an injury history here, you know. So how comfortable are teams going to be with these guys? But this is a special big-time football player. All five of these are, for sure. Uh, Those top two guys, for me, are top 20-type picks there. Uh, But Jackson Smith and Jigba with the hamstring issue and all that, I don't know where it goes. But receiver all in all, there's a lot to be had in some of these middle rounds too. It's a pretty good class. And there are evaluators who will say if a guy can't stay healthy at the college level, he has no chance of staying healthy on a consistent basis at the NFL level. That is a red flag for many. It's one of the reasons, main reason why they have the combine, get everybody together and see who's healthy and who isn't. Let's take a break. When we return, one team that may have been in the mix for Lamar Jackson reportedly out. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. I see Belichick smile. Um, usually I see him, he's like puzzled face, like a straight face. God, when I see him smile, I'm like, dang, you got humor. Like, I told him that, he was like, yeah, I'm like, I wasn't expecting you to be smiling. <laughs> you smile? No. <laughs> no, I don't. Laura Jackson not smiling much lately as he waits for someone to pursue him other than the Baltimore Ravens. When Bill Belichick was asked about Lamar Jackson earlier in the week, Belichick refused to talk about him because he said, I don't talk about anybody who's on another team. The reality is Lamar Jackson's on no team right now. He's got no contract. Bill Belichick's allowed to talk about him. He's always had this weird thing about franchise tag players. He thinks the rules are different than what they are. He's 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 a guy who stays so far away from that line. We talked about that yeah, earlier in the week. It right. just doesn't make any sense to me. So we didn't know whether or not the Patriots were interested in Jackson. We knew Jackson was interested in the Patriots because the owner, Robert Kraft, said Meek Mill texted him or called him to say that Lamar Jackson had texted Meek Mill to say – I want to play for the Patriots. Jeff Howe, the athletic reports that the Patriots are not interested in Lamar Jackson. And even though Jackson is dramatically better than Mac Jones, I can understand why they don't want to make the significant draft pick investment craft the other day, talking about how important it is to have those draft picks low cost, develop those players. The Browns gave up a lot to get to Sean Watson. You have to give up a lot to get Lamar Jackson from the Ravens. You don't want to make the draft pick investment. You don't want to pay all that money to the player. I get it, even though Jackson clearly is better than their current best quarterback, Mac Jones. Yeah, that, I mean, yes, he is. We know that. But, you know, also the, they drafted Mac Jones. You, you know, you're saying the right things. They drafted him. They're trying to formulate their offense and their team around that. Billy O'Brien's system is Mac Jones fit, right? And then, the, you know, the basic level is like we joked about it yesterday. You know, does that does, – does, hey, we'll trade you two or three first-rounders and give you the greatest contract in the history of sports or football, does that sound like a New England Bill Belichick thing? Absolutely not. I mean, he's the opposite of that. You know, like we talked about, he wouldn't even pay Tom Brady what he was worth, right? I mean, he put, put the hot poker to his butt. 
and made him make decisions all the time. So that that's where I just – I never thought it was real, at least, Mike. But is it possible Belichick is the one guy who could sit down across the table from Lamar Jackson and get Jackson to see it his way and agree to the Patriot way? I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, but here, here's the problem. Unless you trade for him, if you just get him to sit down and say, here's, here's how we do things and sign this offer sheet and he signs it and then the Ravens match it, it's, it doesn't matter. No. The only way that would work is if it was a trade. But, again, they're not interested, so it, it really doesn't matter. The Patriots aren't going to pursue him. Right now the Colts are the only team out there that's even remotely interested. And I don't know whether or not that's real. I think that if we're going to see any interest in Lamar Jackson, it's going to come after the draft. If there's a team out there lurking for a quarterback and they don't get him, and we don't even know that they're lurking for a quarterback, then maybe they would pivot to Lamar Jackson if they don't get the quarterback that they, they're secretly trying to get in right. round one. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. I, I could see that. You know, ultimately, if you're going to make me bet money, I'm still going to bet he's going to be the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. I don't see another team coming up here, but I think your thought there is is definitely fair or logical for sure. Well, he'll be the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens if they work out a deal yeah. to make him the quarterback of the Ravens, whether it's before July 17 on a multi-year deal or after July 17 on a one-year deal where the Ravens could just say, hey, under the CBA, all we have to offer you is $32.4 million. You play for that or you don't play. That's probably not going to be enough, in my estimation, to get him to show up. Um, and they're going to have to sweeten it. And the question is, how much does he want it to be sweetened? How much will they sweeten it? And do they reach a deal? They've been unable to reach a deal on a long-term contract. Can they reach a deal on a one-year arrangement? That remains to be seen. One thing that came to light this week, the folks at Joe Buck's fan who cover the Buccaneers, who signed Baker Mayfield, reported that the Ravens tried to sign Baker Mayfield and Mayfield declined an offer to join the Ravens. And I don't know what the Ravens would have been thinking here. Is this, he's your new backup to Lamar Jackson and we're moving on from Tyler Huntley, a guy that they presumably really like? Or is it they're pondering an alternative where it's Mayfield and Huntley competing to be the starter, Anthony Brown as the backup to the two of them, and no Lamar Jackson. What would they have done if they had gotten Baker Mayfield? I guess that's my question. Yeah. I'm intrigued by this because he falls in that category where could have been backup, could have yeah, been possible right. starter, and would he have even been interested in joining the Ravens with uncertainty as to what happens with Lamar Jackson? So that would probably be a probably reason be why, why he says no thanks. Yeah. I'm going to go to the spot where I have a clearer shot to be the starter. Yeah, I think so. I think you know, going to the Ravens, yeah, that is dicey, you know. And and also he's probably looking at it going, wait, they're not really set up to play the style of football that I want to play here totally either. I don't know if this makes sense. There's too many what-ifs in that scenario. I think that Baltimore, it was probably just a low-priced – insurance policy for all the things you mentioned, Mike. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I wouldn't think there was any like, oh, we're going to sign Baker and make him the starter. It was like, hey, we got Baker and we can't do something dumb with Lamar. We got Baker and Tyler Hundley and okay, we're good. We can have them, you know, duel it out or compete or whatever, but they cover, you know, cover themselves that way, you know, from a lot of different angles. Uh, so I, I understand that them putting that offer out there to Baker Mayfield and I certainly understand Baker Mayfield going, nah, I'd rather go somewhere else. This is a little dicey here. I said earlier that one of the teams that could potentially pivot to Lamar Jackson after the draft would be a team that is currently secretly eyeballing a first-round quarterback. And if that team doesn't get him, 
then Lamar Jackson becomes the fallback. And look, we're in cloak and dagger phase, or we should be. No team should be candid about what it's thinking about doing in round one. But Chris, what if the Ravens are secretly plotting a potential run at a quarterback, somebody I, who falls to 22? I, I hear you. Then, then problem solved. Then we trade Lamar Jackson. Boom, we're done. We have our, our new bird in the hand, and we can move on from Lamar Jackson, and somebody else would trade for him then once the Ravens say to the world he's available. You still have to sign him, but it could be the Ravens are the ones who are secretly waiting for some quarterback to fall into their clutches, and they just reset the clock, start all over again with a guy that they would have for five years. I, 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 I don't think that's a crazy thought either. It's certainly gone through my brain. I mean, there was a part of me at you know, one time here – before Anthony Richardson was being talked about a bona fide top 10 where I went, oh, hey, he could be on the board at 22, that kind of guy, and they could just go, hey, we'll go with him. And uh, that certainly crossed my mind to think that maybe that's the way they'll go here. I'll be interested if, you know, one of these higher-level guys is still on the board at 22 to see what they do. I think it gives us a look into what they all feel overall about the Lamar and the situation or kind of puts an end to it all. But, uh, yeah, Mike, I, I, I've definitely had that thought. All right, take a break. More PFT Live right after this. There's Mike Florio. Did you know that you wear the same thing every show? We're back in better than ever. Was there a show that used to say that? I don't know. <laughs> this is great. Roll those dice. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Here I am to save the day. Whoa, we got to blow that up. Blow that up. You're the number one BCS ass in the world. We're not just going to give you like the red carpet, carte blanche. So you don't get exactly the, you know, tick for tack is that where he was drafted back to penny pinching there's being money left on the board across the table it's called cracking the chicken and here's what you had to do you had to twist the tail off throw it in a bucket but here's our chickens this is daffodil you had to crack the bones physically crack the bones i did apply to two ivy schools and i got into both of them so no. that is not a, that is the biggest brag that i've ever had on wow. air d c e or whatever i don't know i just messed up the alphabet oh no well in fairness oh. to miles they don't teach alphabetic columbia i am capable of making friends folks yippee you win do you get a trophy for that who cares <laughs> so when in doubt whip it out Wave the feckin' flag and let's get on with it already. I'm feckin' tired. Do I look tired? Because I feel tired today. I just want to let you know. I feel tired. I, 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 it would be nice to milk the Packers have given Aaron Rodgers permission to talk to other teams, Cal, before we pivot to the Rodgers talk to the Jets, Cal. He's standing at the opening. Last year, he did not jump. This year, will he jump? forgot about blinded by mike white again every time i have a moment like that now i wonder whether it's the beginning of the inevitable decline um i was gonna say something else and now i've completely lost track of it blinded by mike white four day weekend two weeks after a week off no days off except when we take days off the happiest place on earth is a dispensary did your wife ever find out that you uh have it in my phone that you partook in some activities out there nope nope sorry okay sorry sorry Stop talking about it. Uh. Another month. 
crazy. Another month closer to death. I didn't. T- a lot happens yeah. in a month. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell you one funny story about my Miami trip that I thought you might like, actually, right? So I'm in my first night in Miami, going out to dinner with my friends. We're about to go into the restaurant, right? And, you know, you know me. I'm like, well, I need to take a puff of a certain something before we walk in there. So I go to the corner. And I got one of my friends with me, and okay, I'm taking a few hits or whatever. And an older man, kind of around your age, mid-50s or so, okay, a fellow (laughs) old-timer, he comes by me, and he looks at me, and he shakes his head, and he goes, Sims, I'm going to tell your dad. And and he walked by, and I looked at him, I went, I'm 42! I don't care. He knows what I'm doing already. Jeez. So that's the life I live. I thought you'd get a kick out of that. That's good. That's good. We got to take a break. We'll wrap up the show right after this. Arch Manning, grandson of Archie, nephew of Peyton and Eli. $3.7 million in projected NIL money. And Chris, you said earlier, that seems low. Hey, bottom line, when he enters the draft, he's picking his team. Because anybody that drafts him that he doesn't want to play for, he's going to say, I got $20 million in the bank. I'll wait till next year. And we saw Eli do it. I guarantee you, he's going to play for the team he wants to play for, Chris. Well, I, 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 don't, I won't doubt that. I, I wouldn't be shocked. But damn, $3.7 million freshman in college? See ya. Not bad. Ha, 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 ha.